Welcome to the Preach and Persuade podcast. My name is Sam Parada. I'm here with Dan Rubin. We're back at it again with who knows if this will be a series or what. We're just kind of going to roll with the text of scripture that Dan preached. Um, oh, man. Early January, I guess. A few weeks ago, we were at our national AFCI conference, and Dan gave a message to us, evangelists with ambassadors of Christ. And it was a little bit of an intimate, personal message that was really directed towards things that we were dealing with in our ministry and things we needed to hear. But we want to revisit the the passage and really just unpack more of what's in this text and hit on some of the main themes of this text. And the text really is, it's it's Acts 4, verses 1 through 25, so most of the chapter. Uh, I'll read it for you, and then I'm just going to give it over to Dan, because he's the one that preached the message and did all the study on it. And there's, again, a few themes that we're really going to hit on. So maybe this might turn into, you know, two or three episodes as we kind of unpack these themes. But again... We don't really necessarily have an outline. We'll see where we go, and maybe we'll run down some rabbit trails, and who knows. But here we go with Acts 4, verses 1 through 25. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem, with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known that to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a noble sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that we that it may be but in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than forty years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven, heaven, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? Kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against his anointed. I'll just stop there. That's your verse 26. Okay. Okay, Dan. 
<laughs> okay. Huh? <laughs> well, I did preach this, and so we're going to have just a conversation about it, so I'll try not to preach about it. But um, I'm thinking, well, let's go through and just talk a little bit of the outline yeah. of what are the key things here. So you're, we're zeroing in on verse 13 is what I zeroed in on. And, I, and, I, and we have this question, what does it mean to be recognized as those who have been with Jesus? And, uh, and if you look there at verse 413... Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Now, you read ESV, right? Yeah. And I was reading NASB. Okay. Yeah. So the thing that I, I, I noticed as I was studying this, I was thinking about this with uh, uh, certainly the ministry we're a part of, and we're, you know, we're a bunch of preachers. And uh, I, I was thinking that, but, but this goes to all of us as believers in regards to, you know, what's it mean to be uh, witnesses in the world? What's mm-hmm. it mean to be salt and light, mm-hmm. really, right? You know, we've had that whole discussion. But um, there were three things that I noticed here, and the thing is, is, is as you notice this, there's two that are pretty explicit in verse 13. They just kind of jump off the page at you. Yeah. But then what I did is I began to think about Peter and John, and what kind of men were Peter and John? Right. Right? They'd been spent all this time with Jesus. Now the Holy Spirit had come on them, and they're out there. And, and so then I wanted to go to the writings of John and Peter. Mm. And so here's what here's here's fundamentally what I'd say. There's three things that I would that I would highlight here. Two are very explicit in this verse. Yep. One is implicit in this verse. However, the one that's implicit here is actually explicit when you read the writings of John and Peter. Gotcha. Yep. Makes see what I'm saying. Yep. So so um, uh, so in an outline form. And, and this is the stuff we could unpack more, right? Yeah. But briefly, the first thing is, is they spoke the knowledge of God. It was clear here. You know, they they were seen as um, uneducated and untrained men. Mm-hmm. And while sometimes in our culture I think people think that means, oh, these are guys that aren't intellectual. and N- Knuckleheads. Know, yeah, they're knuckleheads. <laughs> That's not what this is saying. <laughs> these were bright men, incredibly bright men. <laughs> This is saying something different. This is saying that first of all, they're uneducated, meaning they didn't go to the rabbinical schools. Right. They, they didn't weren't go, rabbis. They didn't go to the formal theological place and get their PhD from. Right. You know, whatever. Yeah. Whatever the acknowledged place was. And untrained meant these guys weren't trained like in philosophy. They weren't trained in rhetoric. Yeah. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so they're not. Uh, you Which know, is a very common thing. This is like the height of Greek philosophy. Yes. And, right. You know, Man. So they're looking at these guys going, okay, they didn't have professional training. And yet, yet they seem to have this knowledge that clearly is tied to Jesus. Yeah. So there's a number of things you could say there. One would be certainly this is still in the time frame where many of these men that are even making these questions or questioning Jesus, uh, uh, Peter and John had heard Jesus. Yeah. So the message of Jesus is going out. And of course, these men are now preaching this message. Some congruency. Yeah, congruence. That's a good word. Congruency. So, so in one sense, you could another way to say it is if you want to in the outline, you would say they spoke the very knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. They had been given the knowledge of God. Jesus had spoke the knowledge of God. If you remember, we go back to you know uh, Luke twenty four, the road to Emmaus, opened up the scriptures. Our hearts were burning within us, and then he said, "Listen." And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures mm-hmm. as you go down through Luke twenty four. So they understood the word of God. And then, if you remember, when Jesus was discipling them, if you will, or training them, he said, "You know, the Holy Spirit's going to come out on you and, and bring all this stuff back to your remembrance." Yeah, yeah. You know, and so they have an actual knowledge from God. Right. And, and, and again, we will unpack that more, but that's a big deal in our culture. 
today. Mm-hmm. I mean, because there's all sorts of people that stand up in pulpits and say stuff, and they're not speaking the actual knowledge of God. They're getting it from somewhere other than God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They just are. Okay. And so the first thing then, I guess I would want to highlight, they just spoke the knowledge of God. The other one that that's, jumps off the page here is that, is that, of course, it says here, they observed the confidence of Peter and John. Maybe yeah. we could say yes, that. Yes, we said boldness. Boldness, right. So we could go to the to a whole discussion about confidence. We could go to this discussion about courage. Mm-hmm. This is the big one. It's a big one. It goes back into the discussion of masculinity. It's an issue that, you know, Sam, you know, you're smiling right now, but you know, like anytime you get around me with the young guys I spend time with, it's times I talk in, in retreat settings, I want to talk about this issue of courage. Yeah. And it, what's really interesting to me about the issue of courage, okay, it's not... Like, like I've been in places and people know, like, I'm an outdoorsy guy. They know mm-hmm. I like to hunt. Mm-hmm. And they think what I'm talking about is, rah, rah, let's go get a bear, you know. Yeah. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm actually going back theologically, biblically, in history, and realizing that in Genesis 3, this is the big failure. Mm. Is, is um, you know, uh, Adam relinquished his leadership, yep. his hierarchical leadership, in a passive way. You know, whatever you want to think, mm-hmm. feared conflict with Eve, just wanted to give in, whatever all that is. But in a passive way, he gave in, and he wasn't supposed to, and it was a role reversal. And the thing that entered the heart of man there and the heart of woman was fear. Fear. Yep. Fear. Fear of God, fear of each other, we're going to cover up. And 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 this construct then throughout the Scripture is this fear. Mm. And if you remember, Old Testament, God would say, do not fear, do not fear. You know, Abraham, do not fear. Mm-hmm. Do not fear, do not fear. And... Um, because fear reigns in our hearts. It's like it's like if everybody would acknowledge it. That's why I like to talk to men about it. Like, guys, like just just stop and ponder here. We operate in fear all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, and the opposite of fear then in the scripture is you could tie a couple words together, but it's really trust in God. It's trust in something bigger than myself. Mm-hmm. But that trust plays itself out in courage. Mm-hmm. It's courage, mm-hmm. right? And that courage comes from the very presence of God in my life. Mm. And so if in the Old Testament, you'd see it like in, I always think of Numbers, mm. 13, 14, spies going into the land, right? Yep. Like God said, hey, you're going to go in there and you're going to take this place. It's yours to take. Milk and honey, you know, but you're going to encounter some conflict here. <laughs> he already warned them. And what did they do? They went in the land. They came back. This group of spies, remember? Yep. 12, 12 spies. They come back. And 10 of them go, it's true. It's The place is awesome. Oh, but, right? They go into fear. We're like grasshoppers oh, in their we sight. look like grasshoppers in our eye, in their eyes. Like, how do you know that? But the bottom line is, is like they're totally fearful of these giants. And God had already told them there'd be giants there, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna conquer it anyway. Yeah. And then if you remember, it was Joshua and Caleb that said, you know, they they were known to have a different spirit about them, and that was because they said, no, let's believe God. Yeah. But you he, see, but he's think told about us he's gonna give us the land. Yeah. So it's the same thing, you know, you see it with Moses, you know, when he can counter uh, God's presence in the burning bush. And he says, you know, I'm going to go send you. You're going to set my people free. I'm going to use you. But Pharaoh's not going to want to do it. And then Moses go, literally says, what, what, what's going to happen if, if Pharaoh doesn't listen to me? <laughs> God just told him Pharaoh was not going to listen to him. It's really fun. You read the thing and you realize it's just the fear of man. We're just so afraid of stuff. Mm. And the opposite of that is courage. And 
in in the construct. And could you say the opposite of it is actually fear of God, which in yeah, a sense yeah, is ultimate. courage. Well, ultimately, right, right. Yeah. It all, that's what I mean. You got to, and we'll get into it when we. In the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. Yes, all we, this is tied together. It's all tied together. So that'll be a fun conversation. So right now for the outline, yep. though, I'm just trying to say that first of all, they had this knowledge of God. Secondly, and you could reverse this in one and two, and that's fine with me too. But there's this confidence that was recognized, a courage. Yeah. And I want to tell you that what I believe that is, and you see it in the Old Testament, when when God said, "I will be your God, you will be my people, and I'll make my presence with you." Yep. And so when He would say in the Old Testament, "Don't fear, I'm with you. I am your shield. I'm your great reward." What is your great reward? My very presence. Yeah. And then remember, even the enemy. Would be would be like God. God's, God's with them. God's with those people. Yep. See, and so it's like when God's presence is with me, and I'm convinced of that, and I experience that, and I know that, I have a courage because now God's God, mm. <laughs> and not all these other things around me, mm-hmm. and it puts them in their place. Mm-hmm. And of course, we'll have more discussion there too, probably. But you see it like uh, the one, you know, you see it with Peter walking on the water. If you remember in the storm, hey, mm-hmm. is that, is that you, Jesus? I'll come out and walk, and he starts walking, yeah, and then it, then he literally says. He looked around, saw the storm, yep. began to sink. Yep. And, and, and literally, Jesus said, like, where's your faith? Where's yeah. your courage? Yeah. There's other places. Men, where's your courage? So faith and courage is tied together. It's trust in God. Mm-hmm. It's, your eyes are fixed on God. And it's a reality that the presence of God is in your midst. Mm. But these men had that. That's mm. the point of the outline. Is like they had this knowledge of God. They had this confidence and courage. And I believe it's because the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. had come to be with them. Mm-hmm. Seal them, you know, baptize them. That whole we could have a whole theology. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the third one that really struck me. Then this is the one that I said is implicit here, but it struck me as I started studying. I started thinking, well, how, you know, how did these guys live? And you start reading through the writings of Peter and John. And and one that I want to start would start in is this uh, John seventeen seventeen through twenty one. Mm. And we 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 can read that. Let me read that. Yeah. So John seventeen seventeen through twenty one. Um, yeah, I'll just jump in right there. There's a context here, but it, this all fits. So verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Okay? I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who also will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are uh, in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. And so the world will believe. Well, how will they believe? Well, because there's they, they have this oneness, they have this connection to the Father, connection to the Son. They're sanctified in truth. Mm-hmm. And then you start tying together. What's that mean, right? Yeah. And certainly we could say sanctify is always a sense of being consecrated, set aside. Yeah. But what's it mean to be sanctified in truth? Mm-hmm. Okay, so does that mean that they just have knowledge of God? Well, that's true. We already talked about that, but it's bigger than that because truth is bigger than that for John, and you know, and we'll get into that. But you know, you you look at the commentary on that, and the idea of just think of the the idea of being sanctified in truth. I, I think of it similar to Colossians one when 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 Paul says you've been rescued from a dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son He loves, rescued into this kingdom. Yep. And so I want to kind of like draw a circle yep. and say you've been actually rescued into this new kingdom. Yep. And in this kingdom, you've been consecrated in truth. Yeah. And certainly it's the truth of the gospel, but it's more than that. It's it's you operate in truth. You live in truth. You conform to the truth. You live this out. And I and you know, Sam, I keep using the word horizontal. There's something here about this reality of Peter and John that they refer to 
that has to do with their horizontal life, the way they live in the community, the way yeah. people see this. And so one I was showing you earlier um, when we were kind of talking about this day was First Peter. So again, if you go to the, just the writings of Peter and Paul and begin to kind of look, or excuse me, Peter and John. So of course, John talks about sanctifying truth. I probably should have mentioned, you guys might be familiar, a very common, a familiar passage is uh, John 13, uh, 45. 45, 35, and of course, a couple chapters before, but he said, how will they know that you are my disciples? Yeah. Love for one another. It's yep. the same idea. It's this, this, there's this unity, this love amongst yourselves. But then you start, you look at Peter, and, and, and you go to Peter, uh, 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Think, set aside in this realm, the king, kingdom of the son he loves. There you are. You've been set aside. So that purpose that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. See, people of God, there's this identity that you're these people of God. You should look like people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you had received mercy. But go on, look what he says. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against your soul. Keep your behavior excellent, Listen now, among the Gentiles. Mm. So that purpose in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, mm. glorify God in the day of visitation. Mm -hmm. they, there is something about the way we live our life. Yeah. In this community of believers, there's something about the local church there. We could have a whole discussion. There's something about the way Sam and I, as friends, brothers in Christ, live our lives together. Yeah. The way we respond to each other, the way we deal with conflict with each other, our marriages, our relationships. We live in a fallen world. It's difficult. I'm not trying to over, over glorify this reality, but it is a reality that yeah, we, yeah. that's supposed to be demonstrated because the Spirit's in our midst. Yeah. And so we're supposed to be people who are sanctified in truth, and it should look horizontal. Yeah. And I, I, I brought up even like um, uh, Acts 6, 6 3, where they were picking deacons, okay, uh, full of the Spirit. Full of wisdom, which I would say is the application of knowledge. These are people that actually could live out knowledge. But remember the third one? Good reputation. Mm. Paul says the same thing to Tim Timothy, you know, an over talking about an overseer. In, uh, uh, is it first Timothy? First Timothy three. Three. Yep. yep. First Timothy one seven. three. Yep. Here, you know, here's the qualification of the overseer. We always think about it. But then he goes down and says, You have a good reputation with those outside. Yeah. See, there's something about this sanctifying in truth that has to do with this horizontal way we live life. And people should look at your life and go, that's a good guy. Right. No, we're going to have conflicts in life. We're going to have people that don't like us. It happens. But what's the wake? You know, what's right. the wake behind your boat? Right. And that's the thing, you know, love God, love neighbor. Yep. That's you it. You can't love neighbor without loving God. But how do you know you love God? Well, it's it's manifested. It, yep. It's displayed by how you love your neighbor. Yeah, yeah. You know that was a big thing, Sam. I was reading recently. Puritans they had this big thing about how they treated people around them. Yeah, big deal. Well, yeah, you know. And so, so I mean, it, it, it sort of you could say it goes without saying, but it doesn't go without saying because one of the things I brought up within our ministry again, we're a bunch of preachers. Yeah, and I won't mention, but you guys know that we've seen preachers even more even recently fail. Yeah, yeah. Now, they could stand up and be incredibly articulate. Yep. And you guys can just put names in there. But even historic guys. Mm -hmm. 
is sometimes if we go back in history, like you find out their lives weren't so good at the end. I don't mean terribly immorality. We we know the immoral ones too, but some guys just didn't have good relationships. You yeah. find this out with some really prominent guys. Yeah, we don't need to mention them here today, but like I mentioned them in our, in my in my talk, and you know it's fine. I, I can't stand in judgment of these guys. It wasn't my point, but my point was is that the qualification for like us as preachers, the qualification for leaders, isn't. Can you can you give a wow message? Yeah. <laughs> now, certainly part of it is you do know the able knowledge of God. You're yeah. able to teach. I got yep. that. But it's like there's something bigger than that, and it's how you relate to one another. And you know, even in a ministry, how do you get along with people? And it's not always a pretty picture out there. And, and that's why I brought this up. It's like so these three things come together. You know, as I said about the horizontal, I said you know there's this axiom I, I maybe said in other podcasts. As you get older, you kind of say these things over and over and over. But a man may or may not live what he professes, mm-hmm. but he'll always live what he really believes. Right. So you know what a man believes, not by what he professes, teaches, preaches, but how he lives. Yeah, yeah. And so there is something about how we live our lives. Oh, absolutely. And that's what John is hammering home on in First John. Right. That's it. That, then you go to First John, yeah. and he even goes more. This walking in light, literally, that's another whole aspect of this, right? Walking in the light. Look, read First John 1, guys, 5 through 10. Walking in the light is the confession of sin. Yeah. There's something horizontal in my fellowship with you that I'm honest with you about my failings. You're honest with me about failings. It's called confession. Mm -hmm. And he literally says, you will have fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ will purify you from all sin. Mm. How are we to live horizontally? In a, with the old old you know say Puritans or even other the other you know great dead theologians, a, a repentant faith. Yeah. It's a continual mo- mo- mode of repentance, which really is nothing more than standing in the truth. What is the truth here? Yeah, yeah. The truth is, you know, I, I'm, I've been jealous. I've been bitter. You, you know. I've been whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a hang up. I, I was unkind there. Mm. And when we live that way, it puts something on display to the world, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So as much as you're preaching Persuade podcast, and you mm-hmm. and I are always talk about knowledge and preaching the truth and doing apologetics, mm-hmm. I just think this is one area that... I mean, it's been talked about before, but some people say you witness with your life, and we talked about that way back in evangelism. Well, yes and no, because... I like your Pythagorean theorem. Yeah, Pythagorean theorem, you can't live it out. you got to speak it. Yeah, yeah, it's content. There is content in the gospel. There is content in apologetics, and that's included here. That's my point. That's what intrigued me. So Peter and John were recognized with being with Jesus, and I would say, first... Because they had this knowledge of God yep. that they proclaimed. Secondly, they had a courage, confidence of that God was with them in that, and they were willing to obey God more than man. Right. And thirdly, as we read them, what they demonstrate, you could say the spirit-filled life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, they lived something horizontally. And when they failed in that, they were open and confessed that. That's what G- John told us to do. Yeah. And those three things come together and say those people have been with Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. So I mean, I, I went through it quick, but that's yeah. There's a lot, a lot, a lot in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can take it where you want, man. Well, should we should we start with courage, or should we start with knowledge? Let's unpack these things a little bit more. Yeah, you could either do it either way. Yeah. What do you think is most intuitive? I'm trying to think. Well, the passage starts. They recognize their their confidence in these things. Their confidence was they were speaking this. This knowledge. Message, so this I would say let's start with the knowledge, and we've done that before, though, right? We've yeah, yeah. talked about evangelism, we talked about the gospel, but we yep. could we could hit it again for sure. So, what were a few things that you shared then? I mean, you you already shared a few of them, but when you gave this message, yeah, when you yeah, unpacked yeah, yeah. that point, yeah. 
Well, yeah, I had a number of a number of thoughts about that. Um, you know, okay, so we we already talked about this, uh, John seventeen further earlier in John seventeen. He says, "I gave them their your words." Yeah. Okay, so let me let me go there real quick. Let me go to a couple passages to set the tone for this discussion. Um, so John seventeen, and we just talked about sanctifying truth, but go to John seventeen, or, or you listen up to the first few verses. He says, "Okay." Jesus spoke these things, lifting up his eyes to heaven. He said, Father, the hours come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. This was that high priestly prayer. Yeah. Um, you, uh, even as you have given him authority over all flesh, so that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, even that there's a sense of knowledge, knowing God, right? Yep. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do, which I find interesting that he's praying that there, because this this big work ultimately is him dying on the cross, and he hasn't died on the cross yet. Right. But yet he has accomplished something. Yeah. And you go, what is that? Okay. So now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you. Now, here it, here it is, verse 6. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. I've made... I've made your name known. I've made you known. Yeah, the Father. Right? Yep. Remember he said that earlier in John 14 uh, to, was it uh, was it Simon Peter? No, it's Philip. Yeah, yeah. Philip, if you, Philip's like, hey, just show us the Father. We're good. It's enough for us. Yeah. He's like, uh, don't you know who I am? <laughs> yeah. If you've seen me, you've seen, seen the Father. The Father. Mm-hmm. See, so he's manifested him. And John brings up that manifestation uh, too in First John. Mm-hmm. He's been manifested the life, the eternal life. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could look that up real quick while I'm reading this. Look up First John, like the first four verses. But then he says, "I've manifested you, uh, and here it is. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. word. There it is. Now they have come to know that everything. See, come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them, and they received them, and truly understood that I came forth from you, and they believe that you sent me. Okay. And then he goes. He keeps going down through here, and it's." Uh, uh, Verse 13, but now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where he starts getting into sanctify them in the truth. But the point is all this is that he gave them the knowledge of himself. Right. Knowledge of the Father. He gave them your word. Yeah. yeah. That, that's that's the thing I, I recognize in John. He's saying, no, I, I've revealed this word. I've manifested it. I've given it to them. Yeah, and then uh, Luke twenty four. We touched on that earlier, but G- that was the road to Emmaus, where Jesus opened the scriptures to them. Yep. they were prevented from recognizing him until they got the point. Yeah, that the scriptures were the very words of God. And then, with you go to Luke after Jesus then uh, shows up, appears to them. Um, I always love this passage down here. Let me find it for you. Uh, this was after he revealed himself to them. The the guys on the road to Emmaus ran, you know, ran that back down to Jerusalem. Jesus showed up down there, uh, showed his hands, his feet. Uh, they could not believe it. He ate some. Now, verse forty four. Now he said to them, "These are my words, which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled." Then, verse forty five. Man, is this cool, dude? Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Yeah, that's what's happened to us. Yeah. That's what happened to us when, when God rescued us by his grace, his complete work. Yeah. The spirit comes into us and illuminates God's word. And, yeah. and while we labor and work at it, the reality is it's God revealing it to us. Yeah. 
And so he says, and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer, rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You who are witnesses of these things, and behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father, Holy Spirit, right upon you, but you to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Yeah, yeah. See, and when the Holy Spirit came on them, we know the story in the book of Acts, right? Luke carries that on. But the point is, at this point, is they open their minds to understand the scriptures, get mm-hmm. this knowledge of God. That's mm-hmm. the point of all this. And then one other one then. Uh, you want me to read First John? Yeah, do First John. He yeah, says the very the beginning. Yep. I mean, this kind of ties all this in again. Yep, right. That which was from the beginning, yep. which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which is with the Father and was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. There it is. Oh. Isn't that cool? Oh, it's crazy. I manifested this. I gave this to you. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to get at. And so we, we, re- read one more and then let's... Okay, so I want to go to Peter. So we're thinking Peter and John. Yep. Okay. Now we read Luke there. I realize that, but let's go to let's go to you. Just read John again. Read now. Listen to Peter. Second Peter one, verse sixteen. For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His Majesty. For when He received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to Him by the majestic glory: "This is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased." And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So yeah. this is the transfiguration. Yeah, yeah. And they've seen him transfigured, like yeah. his glory, like poop. You know, yeah. I always talk about it, like poop. You know, there's like this window of, they see it, okay? Yep. But here's what's cr- crazy. And there's a little bit of an exegetical juggling here or discussion here, and we don't have time to get into it. But he does say this. He verses 19. So he, they saw this utterance, they heard this utterance, and they saw Jesus' transfiguration. And then he says, so we have the prophetic word, mm-hmm. okay, the scriptures, made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But know that, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Mm. There's a couple of different ways of looking at that. One is, we have something even more sure, mm-hmm. the prophetic word. Mm-hmm. Or, or there's another way you could look at it, and again, it's a little technical, exegetical work right, that you'd right. have to do. The other side is, we have it confirmed, yeah. because, because of God affirming Jesus in our presence yeah. and seeing this. He's affirming his prophetic word. word yep. You see what I'm saying? Yep. And then he, obviously he goes on. Either way, it elevates the word of it God. Elevates the, word. the point is, we've been given this knowledge in this word, Yep. and you would do well. This is this is it. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is the answer, right? So, man, there's all these themes that are tied together then. You got eternal life, you got the word, you got yep. witness, you got truth, you got all this stuff, Jesus Christ. So, I mean, you think of very the very beginning of John's gospel, like the Logos was made. Logos, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. Jesus is the word. Right. He is the truth. He is the word. Yes. And he is eternal life. Right. And knowing the truth is knowing Christ, is knowing eternal yep. life. Yep. And knowledge, again, in Scripture, even from the Hebrew with Yada, it's this idea of uh, it's intimacy. It's this relationship. Yeah. It, it's not just intellectual purely. But right. it's it's so all this is is tied together. So when when we go back to Acts four and it's it's they had this knowledge and it gave them boldness. Well, this knowledge that they had was, it's it's well it's 
ultimately Christ. It's Christ himself. It's a re, it's an actual like experience, a relationship. Yep. It's the very words of Christ. Yep. It's Oh, I, dude, I I'm so gripped by this. I'm thinking like in a few weeks here I'm going to be speaking up in Michigan for a bunch of outdoorsy guys. I'm an outdoorsy guy and you guys maybe pick that up on podcasts. But like it I've been thinking about the even though even even when we share the gospel you know, in a real sense, I know we say this, and I don't want to step on any toes, but it's really not an invitation. It's right. a, it's, a, it's a command. It's a command. Well, it's scripture. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 the Jesus. It just kind of strikes strikes me that actually we as men are standing here speaking the very words of God, the very thing we're talking about, and saying, "No, God is calling you today yeah. to turn from what, your sin and what, trust." What him. verse is that? Where it says, in, "You like Christ has commanded you to repent and believe." Like yeah. it's a it's a command. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't just oh you know yeah, right. let me tell you gospel this is what I believe I've heard blah, people blah, blah, say blah. that you yeah. know, I think oh no 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 what do you think about it no no and, it's and, a... and, and it's kind of a humbling reality yeah. that God has called you and I and all of us as believers as finite sinful people yeah that He has redeemed He's yeah. placed the Spirit in us and He gives us the words now yeah to give that call yeah. to give that proclamation yeah. to, to say no 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 I'm speaking the very words of God here yeah yeah. Absolutely. Okay. And so, so, so anyway, with that said, uh, you, know, you might want to go someplace. All I want to say, though, Sam, well, do you have you want you have a place you want to go? I just want to say the contrast. I, we I was just gonna like s- try to summarize it again because we just like pff, we just dumped a bunch of oh, stuff. Okay, go ahead and summarize it. And well, then again, I I'm say, trying to think ahead. about it. I'm just trying to think about it, kind yeah. of. I don't know. Go cohesively. Um, so when we say sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. Yeah. Like, there's a bit of a double meaning but the same meaning in a sense of yes the word is christ himself yep. the logos made flesh yep. um again that john's borrowing from greek philosophy there to really kind of rock the world of, of all these people steeped in, in that greek culture um and so yeah christ is the word the word is truth so when we go to the scriptures yes we're, we're we're going to propositions we're going to propositional truth we're going to language but we're having a real confrontation a real experience with the true word jesus christ himself when we go to the words of scripture so that's kind of what we're saying it's like when we have an experience with the bible and the truth of the bible we're actually having a real experience with christ himself and that's profound yeah, yeah it is and so so the apostles got kind of the double whammy in a sense, like, and yet, and yet we have something even, you know, if we kind of take what Peter said, we have something more amazing, so to speak. Like there's something really incredible about the scriptures. Yeah. And Jesus even says, it's better for me to go and you get the spirit and, and you have the spirit and you have the word of God yeah. written on pieces of paper. Yep. And there's something better about that than right. even if Christ was just there. But nonetheless, like, all that to say, the apostles had a real experience with Jesus himself, who is the word, and his his words that came out of his mouth, mm-hmm. and and the scriptures that he confirmed, right, and that gave them boldness, courage. Yeah, yeah. And it's That's what we're saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and then this knowledge, um, yeah. We could we could stop right there, and of course I, we read John seventeen earlier, but he said, as you just said, they had this encounter, right? Yeah. But John seventeen says that what's he say? I do not ask on behalf of these alone. Yeah. Yeah. For for uh, 
but for those also who believe in me through their word. Yeah. Right? That's us. <laughs> yeah. That's my point. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so then, the, obviously, the antithesis to that, uh, the conflict, the contrast to that, is when we live, like, in our secular day, secular culture, we go back, and I, and I went back, and I was even thinking back to, I was trying to think about, there's always been this, this um, attack on God and his word mm-hmm. from day one, Genesis 3, right? We're mm-hmm. gonna qu- Satan's going to take God it. really say God's and he's going to question it. He's yep. going to distort it. He's going to twist it. Yep. It's what you see in the New Testament then in all these epistles where he's addressing these false ideas, Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. I think, would you say pro, proto or neo-Gnosticism? Yeah. There's these questions. You know, there's these elements anyway. Yep. The bottom line is they're elements of false teaching. Yeah. Whatever we come up with the perfect label and that's not even the issue. But it was not the faith. It was not the uh, traditions, the doctrines that had been passed down. And they come in and they they um, uh, try to amalgamate themselves mm-hmm. with true Christianity mm-hmm. in the church. Mm-hmm. And it was happening. Again, I always think, I don't know why First John, you know, mm-hmm. it seems to be this Gnosticism kind of thing coming in, and that's what he's addressing. But it looks like it's Christian. Right. But it's not. Right. And so that that's nothing new is what I'm getting at. And then yeah. you let's say we go back to 100 years ago and we have... We have uh, liberalism? Great, uh, liberalism. And, and again, when you say that word, those listening to the podcast, we're not talking about just a political movement or like classical liberalism that said there's a freedom of thought. You no, know, we're talking about something specific within Christianity that yeah. denied it, the miraculous, denied the supernatural. Denied the deity, denied the word of God. Yep. It just did. Yep. It came in. And so so um, you had people like uh, J. Gresham Machen that wrote Liberalism and Christianity. Yep. And his point was, it's not Christianity. That's just a different thing. See, even in our culture, I see this all the time in the city I live in. People say, well, that's, you know, this church. This church has guys come in and they, they deny the deity of Christ. Yeah. You know, very pro-LGBTQ and all this stuff. I'm like, but it's really not the church. No. It's just not. Right. I call it a church because it's this building with a cross on it, but it's not, it's really not the church. Right. Just like Christianity is not really Christianity. Right. Or liberalism is not really Christianity. Right. And that's what Machen's point was. And so, um, um, I, I, Anyway, I had a few quotes in there that I think are, are fascinating. One was, um, you know, Spurgeon said, it's not knowing the difference between, or, or excuse me, I get it wrong. Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. Mm-hmm. It is knowing the difference between right and almost, almost right. Right. <laughs> right. That, it's intriguing. Uh, another example I gave that's more just common nature kind of thing is my wife and I have this, well, it's really my wife's. I guess I do a lot of labor around there. We've been joking about it. I'm her hireling. You know, she hires me to do the hard work, but it's a flower farm. Yeah. But it's really intriguing to us. We don't understand how this works. I guess maybe just we miss stuff or there is something in nature that works this way. But like, she'll have a certain flower that has certain feather or certain, you know, leaves and certain way it grows a certain way. And in those flowers, there'll be a weed that mimics that flower. Mm. It literally looks like that flower and it's a weed. Mm -hmm. And you find that in various areas in our yard and gardens. She'll go out there and say, look at this one. This this is growing here, and it's a facsimile. It's not a real deal. It's right. a fake. And somehow it, you could quote, you know, again, I think there's more to it. We probably just miss it, and they're there. But, like, you could say it knows <laughs> where to grow weird? sort of thing. It's yeah. just really weird. But that's the point. They're all fake. They're fake. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I had a, another quote that I think of from Rosaria Butterfield when she was dealing with this thing of, you know, again, I don't even like the term gay Christianity. You're hearing this thing. It's like, no, she said she, she had this quote. She said, um, you think we're walking in the forest 
and just seeing trees from different angles. But I find myself walking in a completely different forest. Yeah. So we're living in a day that's nothing new than the New Testament in a certain way. But you have to be aware of these things that come in that are not true. Right. And they, they try to uh, impregnate. They're counterfeits. They're counterfeits. But they try to impregnate themselves or amalgamate themselves yeah. with Christianity. Yeah. And then they, they take on Christian terms. Of course. So, so I would say today, you know, Sam, you did a whole teaching. Um, I don't know if you've ever done this in the podcast, but, you know, it's, I'm sure people can find it on your channel or whatever on this whole critical race theory issue. Yeah. yeah. But at the end of the day, it's just Marxism. Right. It really is. Or call it neo-Marxism. It's Marxism. And what people need to understand is that is an ideology. I'm not, I'm not you know, being political here. It's really true. It was an ideology. Okay. And it really, I mean, guys in the past, even guys like Francis Schaefer, you know, I was always a fan of Schaefer. He would call it a Christian heresy. Yeah. It has all these like fingerprints of Christianity to it. You know, we're all going to get along and have this social system and yeah, we're all going to care for each other. Blah, blah, blah. And then they're going to go to the Bible and try to, you know, talk about acts and how they shared everything in common and blah, blah, blah. No, it's a complete mis misunderstanding of all of that. And oh, you can't get into totally. all that. Yeah. All I'm trying to say though, is that, that, that what set these men aside in acts and the way we're supposed to be set aside is we have the pure knowledge of God, the pure doctrine that we hold to. Mm -hmm. we the really unadulterated are... word. Yep. There you go. There's a number of ways you could say it. Yep. I and think that... of, of Paul and what Second Corinthians 4 where he says, don't tamper with the word of God. Yeah. Which means don't adulterate it. Yeah. Which is interesting because, you know, I... I didn't grow up as a Christian, and so my, my young adult life was in um, Grand Rapids, Michigan, where there was a lot of, um, you know, the Dutch influence, a lot of the Calvin influence. Yep. And and I, I didn't understand it at the time, but now as I've gotten older, I realize this value of this word. You know, they would have this thing called catechism. Yeah. You know, and maybe people listen to podcasts know exactly what I'm talking about. I was like, what's that? You know, and, but catechesis. But it meant taking your youth and training them in sound doctrine. Yep. Getting this clear in their heads. Yep. This foundation. Yep. You know, and, uh, you know, systematic theology, whatever you want to call it. It's it's like, no, we're going to disciple our people to know how to think like this. Mm -hmm. So when they go out in the world, they go, no, 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 there's something wrong with that yep. teaching, right? Something doesn't smell right. And and this is what he's talking about. That's, but these men were known for that. That's what's intriguing. They were, they were if you will, the, the, these people on the outside said, there's something different about these guys, mm -hmm. right? So... Yeah, they. I mean, well, why don't we? Why don't we actually stop there for this episode? Okay, and then we'll go to a second episode so that this doesn't get too long. Yeah, and then let's let's hit on the courage side of it then. Okay, and and talk about kind of how that manifests: having an experience with Christ, having a knowledge of Christ, having a relationship with Christ, right? Having the Spirit of Christ living within you, sealing you, empowering you. Yeah. Now that manifests itself. We could hit on both of them in courage, but right. also in how you treat and love one another, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. So thanks for listening to this episode of the Priest and Persuade podcast. Um, again, we're both evangelists with Ambassadors for Christ International. You can visit our website, afci.us, to check us out, to donate, to do whatever you want to do. And eventually, we're getting this new, cool, you know, hip website coming in a couple months now. Yeah. Um, and all of our content that we do, whether it's videos from on-campus apologetics, evangelism, this podcast, other videos that we might do, and, and stuff that other evangelists for the ambassadors for Christ put out, that'll all be collected at this kind of centralized yeah. website that's coming in a couple months. So we're excited about that. But nonetheless, thanks for listening. Have a great day. Bye.